Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. Yeah! And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard, a pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah! Oh, oh the dickens. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. It's a Wednesday in studio, tomorrow on the road, Friday on the road. I'll explain coming up in just a bit. Thank you all for joining us. James, who is our producer across from me, I'm John again. Thank you all for joining the show. Got your chance to win some stuff a little bit later on. I'm assuming not the news that you would hope for, but it's par for the course given these situations with concussion protocol and that's with Anthony Richardson being out there but not active same goes for Ryan Kelly and as I mentioned back and this was actually when people were asking me this on Sunday during and then after the game so what do you think is going to happen here these things are really difficult to call and at the time, I remember, because you know, we live in a world where I do this show and I've got to have answers right now, even if two days later, a week later, a month later, or a year later, they make zero sense. Remember what I said about the offseason? NFL, Colts offseason, and free agency, we end up talking about so much. Oh, you know, that'd be great, and what a great situation here, and What about the money that you have under the salary cap? We talk about all this crap, and they don't end up doing anything. None of it. None of what we talk about. And that is kind of what you're getting into. You have to have exact words at the moment, but you don't have anywhere near the answers. And it's incredibly difficult to judge. So getting back to Sunday... When I was asked, and and all I've heard for the past two days or so, and you guys are probably right along with me, is people talking about, I hear that it's trending in this direction. I'm hearing that it's trending positively, and maybe it is behind the scenes. But this was always going to be a tough one to call. And when I was asked on Sunday evening, I said, I'd be surprised if he gives it a go. And it wasn't so much because of the way in which they handled Drew Ogletree. It was just with the situation in general. And you're asking, all right, so what does that mean, situation in general? It means that you have a 21-year-old quarterback who hasn't finished either of the first two games yet. And then the last one is 
concussion protocol in which he self-reported. You get Baltimore in week three. They're 2-0. and And I'm with you, too. Like, so many people just you – know, the whole entertaining loss kind of stuff – has so soaked into a lot of brains around here. I want to find a way to remove it. And really the only way you can is to win some games. I'm all into competition. And in that competition, putting yourself in the best position. And I want to continue to see Anthony Richardson get acclimated to the NFL. People have asked me this a number of times, too. You're the one that talked about how you wanted to see him in week number one. Do you regret saying that? Not one ounce do I regret saying that. No injuries are good, and I'm not glad anybody's going through anything, especially something that is described as neurological. Never, ever. But to get used to what he's getting used to right now, those are things that you cannot acclimate any place else. Again, I'd love to see them win. I'd love to see them go into Baltimore. I'm not a big fan of the red-ass Eric DaCosta. That'd be sweet. I'm not going to pick him to do it. But I'd love to see them do it. But, again, it's week number three, and if you have any questions whatsoever, then obviously if he doesn't pass, I mean, just don't you kind of err on the side of caution? Is that okay for me to say while I'm also saying that, hey, I want these games to matter, I want them to be competitive? The whole funny thing out of all this is to say, for example, and this is something where I'm going to ask you, you guys always ask me to give you a definitive answer in a moment in which uh, it could change 19 different times before the actual answer takes place. So I'm going to ask you that as well. Can you imagine for a moment, Monday afternoon here, if Richardson sits, Minshew plays, and then Minshew ends up taking them to a win? Because basically, I'm sure me, Jake at noon, Kevin and Sweebo in the morning, I'm sure they've all pretty much talked about how this is going to be all Baltimore all the time. Or at the very least, an incredible uphill battle, right? Can you imagine? Can you allow yourself to imagine for the moment what it's going to be like around here if Gardner Minshew, the backup quarterback, goes in and then they slap a stunning L on the previously unbeaten Baltimore Ravens at home. And here it comes, right? Here it comes. Gardner Minshew needs to play. I actually got that on Monday. Gardner Minshew needs to be the starter. And see, that's when everything starts to get wobbly for me, and here's why. Because I can sit here and tell you, I want to see them be as competitive as hell. And again, hypothetically, if this is the case, I can sit here and tell you that, but I am always going to sit here and tell you I would rather see Anthony Richardson and it has nothing to do with Gardner Minshew. Zero. None. It has everything to do with the now and the moving forward of that position and its quarterback. 
this guy's going to have to get used to a lot of things. Now you watch C.J. Stroud on Sunday. Look at all he's getting used to right now. And I mean, hell, a lot of people around here didn't want to give that dude any credit. Yeah, I could put up those numbers too if I were playing against the Colts secondary. That guy was running for his life the entire day. He was really, along with Collins, two dudes that could play and nobody else could do anything. Yeah, that is some on-the-clock experience right there. Under not-so-primary conditions. That's how you learn. That's how you learn. That's how you learn to be better. You're put in those situations to where hey, sometimes it's just all about you and what you do. And in, in terms of playing on the field, I thought Stroud did just that on Sunday. I thought he looked good. It was strange people suggested. I know it's going to come down to your comparison to Stroud, to Richardson, to Richardson, to Young. I know those comparisons are always going to be there. And believe me, so far, Anthony Richardson, when he has been out there, that dude was on his way to an incredible game before he was taken out. But that said, I like seeing these guys in not-so-customary, not-so-comfortable situations because, to me, that's where you gather a great deal of information and confidence to move forward. That is an important part of growth to me. And for Anthony Richardson, once he does, whether it's this weekend or at some time after, once he does return from concussion protocol and is deemed healthy to go out there, what do they call it, graduates from concussion protocol and is ready to go or the Colts deem him ready to go, yeah, I'm all good with that. I'm all good with that. I love to see him and how he responds to you know the adversity. Because you know that he hears, didn't finish game one, didn't finish game two. And he's heard all of us amateurs out here talk about how he has to protect himself better. And he's probably heard comparisons between he and Andrew Luck and, uh, you know, how he plays and how Luck plays, which I still find pretty laughable because they're completely different. Even if they merge into the same as far as the outcome is concerned. The way that they play, the reason that they play, and the reason that that happens is completely different. That said, let's just say, for example, Minshew goes out there, has a nice game, they upset Baltimore. I am still going to tell you on Sunday night and Monday afternoon that it still needs to be Richardson. Will you make any sense of that? Or will you just suggest, you know what, after about 19 years, it's like par for the course for you, man. Of course, I'll make sense of it. There's something else that you've said is completely discombobulated. But that is going to be... now. And again, if, if they take a beating and the offense struggles, then you're not going to have an issue. And I'm not going to even call it a quarterback controversy, man. People do want a quarterback controversy. No, there's no controversy. You know who needs to be playing. But again, for this situation, this unfortunate situation, this is the very reason why you felt compelled, if you're the Colts and Shane Steichen, I'm assuming here, to go out and get yourself a backup that knows what they're doing and knows what they're doing in Shane Steichen's system. 
It makes all the sense in the world. But we shall see. Uh, and again, I'm asking you to answer that question well down the road. But that's kind of the situation you put me in daily here. So can it turn about as fair play? You imagine that Monday? See, there's not going to be, there's not going to be a collective. Hey, that's great! What a great game and a great win, and then be okay with going back to Richardson when he's healthy. You guys are going to want to press the envelope with, with Menchu. And as much as I dig winning, and as much losing as I and you, everybody around here in a variety of sports have gone through over the recent history. It's still going to be the right move to go back to Anthony Richardson when he's ready. That is it. Uh, We can discuss that if you like at 239-1070. A lot of mileage out of what Bob Kravitz said yesterday regarding his luck comparison to Richardson. I think that he said it like in the now, and what I mean in the now is like the hip and cool way to say it now. He said that Richardson's giving off luck vibes. And Richardson doesn't give me luck vibes. Like luck went out there, ran around, I'm take on this linebacker. And I thought Bob put it perfectly on the show yesterday. He's reckless and Richardson is doing how they design things. Like I don't think... Pep Hamilton back in the day said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold the ball for a couple minutes. Nobody gets open. There's no separation. Take off running. And then yeah, go ahead and take on that linebacker. I, mean, I don't think that was drawn up anywhere. I don't think that was in the playbook. Bob was accurate in describing that as reckless. And we all know how that turned out. This, on the other hand, is different because this is why you have this guy. You know, much like the reason that you have Gardner Menchu is what we saw against Houston and that went on Sunday. This is why you have Anthony Richardson. This is why you wanted Anthony Richardson. Because you wanted to be able to add those certain variations to the playbook. And a lot of that is going to be running. A lot of that is going to be running out of the pocket. And it is still going to be best for him to learn on the fly. I'm not going to sit here and say how he should better protect himself because, frankly, I don't know. That's why those guys get paid. Those guys get paid over there with their, their nerdery to figure out with some kind of thick 250-page outline as to all these different ways that you can protect yourself out of the pocket on these running plays. That is a part of the growth. And regardless of the outcome, and regardless of whether or not he starts, if Minshew starts, good game, bad game, whatever, I think we all we all understand, right? We all understand the direction in which the Colts still should be going. And I told you before, I mean, really, the season is about giving you guys some hope here or there, like an injection of enthusiasm, a little bit of juice. And that certainly would do that. But at the same time, you know the direction you're going. You know, it's so funny, too. You can make and draw so many different parallels to how you would like to see this go and in comparison to how the Pacers won a year ago. Remember, we were talking about whole trade deadline stuff and, hey, you know what? This Pacer team is really good, as we saw in December. Maybe now if you make a couple of deals, who knows what you can do? 
And what did the Pacers do? They they stuck to their plan. They stuck to their plan, and that's what the Colts should do. Now, you're going to have a lot of expectations coming up on this Pacer team. And by the way, less than two weeks away from getting underway, Miles Turner a couple of days, maybe calling his shot as far as the All-Star game is concerned. It's funny, too. When you do this job, right? So I sit here, and I sat here for how many years and took all this junk about 33 and miles this and miles that. And basically, I'm going to say it was me my friend Greg, and maybe that was it. We we're the only ones that kind of stood strong and said, hey, you guys are missing out on all this right here. If things are different, this is going to be different. And it's funny, there was not a high level of winning. There was no postseason. And I'm just talking about it selfishly in terms of me sitting here, right? There was none of that going on. But let me tell you this. In that season a year ago, I've got myself a little bit of satisfaction out of it still. That was awesome. Absolutely glorious. Not too far away from starting. Yeah, I know. Last night, I'm telling you, I am the schlep rock for the Reds. And in fact, I just turned, I just checked the score. <laughs> Like Hunter Green is on the mound and was just throwing seeds today. And I think the Reds are up either 2-0 or 3-zip. And evidently they're in the bullpen now and the Twins are on top 5-3. And this is why I laugh. The Twins have put up three so far in the top half of the ninth inning. Isn't that hilarious? But last night, Last night in terms of the Reds, so you lose at home. I mean, you get destroyed, and then everybody else around you wins. Yeah, Hunter Green, by the way, goes seven innings, three hits, one run, and 14 strikeouts. And then you turn it over to the Crap House bullpen, and there you go. Actually, on a given day, the starting pitching can be crap house. The bullpen can be crap house. The pitching can be crap house. What I'm saying is, as enjoyable as it has been as a Reds fan, they have way too much crap house descriptions going on to be a viable contender. And I'm still shocked and surprised they're in the position in which they're in. Not down 5-3 right now. Nothing is shocking and surprising about that. And gagging that up from the bullpen, there is no shock and no surprise there. Just hanging around with this group. Hanging around with this group has been a surprise. 14 strikeouts for Green. And you go to the bullpen, and the bullpen just absolutely craps itself. Uh, two outs in the ninth, and now the Twins up 5-3 to three over the Reds. Schlepprock, when I bring them up, that's what's going to happen, right? I'm serious. I'm a jinx. I am a jinx when it comes to them. Had I not punched up the scoreboard, this thing probably remains tied. I watched it last night. It was just nonstop awful. So, yes, I think I'm the problem. I'm the slip rock. I'm the jinx. Uh, We can get into a little baseball if you like to. Busy weekend of college football. Certainly we'll dive into that. Tomorrow's show, Danny Cannell is going to join us. We'll talk about the college football weekend specifically. I know a lot of you Notre Dame fans are loaded and ready to go. 
Notre Dame and Ohio State coming up tomorrow night. Uh, Boilermakers in action. They get Wisconsin coming up at Ross 8 on Friday night. IU in the black uniforms on Saturday night. Akron. Busy college football weekend, and that will transition into a very busy Sunday right here. Kari Thompson, who covers the Ravens for the Believe Podcasting Network. Kari's going to join me coming up at the bottom of the hour. There's a lot been said about Baltimore, and most of that so far is true, especially for the way that Lamar Jackson has looked out of the gate. You get a new offensive coordinator. You get some weapons, maybe a bit of a different philosophy, and you're absolutely off and running. They look good so far. Now, granted, it was against Houston, just like the Colts win down in Houston. You can take that for what it's worth. But that Cincinnati win, regardless of 0-2 Cincinnati right now, was on the road, the Bengals' home opener, and still impressive. We'll talk to Kari Thompson uh, about his look on this Ravens team. What has changed, and maybe even most important here, what has remained the same for John Harbaugh's team? And, of course, when you bring that up, you're talking about their defense. I cannot wait for this conversation. I am such and always have been a huge fan of the Mallory family. But you go back to the days down in Bloomington of Bill Mallory coaching up IU football, the late Bill Mallory, and what he did. You talk about juice and a shot of enthusiasm with what he did and Anthony Thompson and Dave Snell and Ernie Jones, Van Waiters, my guy Joe Huff, Mike Dumas, just some really fantastic football names from the late 1980s and a high level of football success that basically this IU football program has rarely ever seen. But I do. I've always, everybody in the family, I mean, all the brothers, Kurt Mallory obviously is a friend of mine, the head coach over at Indiana State. I always want to see the Sycamores do well. Hence, I want to see Kurt do well. Well, I'm going to get a little bit of background. Will Mallory, the rookie tight end for the Colts, will join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. An incredible story growing up in Jacksonville. Had a lot of offers in the SEC and the Big Ten. Chose to go to Miami. Maybe could have walked a year earlier. He decided to go ahead and stay there. Now, we'll talk about his time in South Florida and then talk about his surprise of getting here. Uh, His family and his first two catches on Sunday. One where he had acres of space to work with. And it's one of those things where Minshew drops it in there and... You're not worried about anything else. Please don't drop it. Please don't drop it. It's one of those things where you're what? Please don't drop it. Please don't drop it. Uh, The second one, it was just like surprising. I think it got to him. If you remember, a couple of defenders merged on him to cover him as he was falling backwards, and the ball just kind of hit him in the breadbasket. Will Mallory is going to join us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, and Kevin Bowen's going to be here coming up after 5 today. So we'll talk to them, Kevin Bowen, about today's practice, about concussion protocol. And as I told you, I'm going to have to be proven wrong on this, and hopefully I am. But that is your situation that is unsurprising right now with no participation, still in concussion protocol. And simply put, you're not going to get very much, if anything at all, from Shane Steichen and the Colts. So we shall see. 
Yeah, Richardson out at practice today, not participating. We'll talk to Kevin about that, who was out there a little bit earlier today. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, Adam Sandler tickets will drop in here coming up as well. Sandler's going to be here in November at Gambridge Fieldhouse, and we got your tickets for that show coming up here before 6 o'clock. Afternoon baseball, as I mentioned, we'll get to that too. And uh, big show's coming up tomorrow. Got Large City Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots, Joe's Grill and Fishers. Danny Cannell, as I mentioned, some college football tomorrow. Uh, Kenny Arnoff, the drummer, longtime drummer from Mellencamp's band. He's actually the drummer for the Jim Ursay band, and they're going to be playing at Farm Aid. Of course, Farm Aid's coming up on Saturday. I mentioned a big weekend around here with a lot of football and all that going on, but Farm Aid is going on, and this is a great cause. You, you know me, I, I come from a very rural area in southwestern Indiana, and I have always been big, always been dedicated to the farming community for what they have done and and not just what they're doing now, but what they have done for generations and maybe even more so what they're doing now, because as you well know, if you're a farmer, it has over the, the years, the decades, it has become tougher and tougher to remain with that as a career. It shouldn't be. I wish it wasn't, but it is. And Farm Aid is there to help. Kenny Arnoff's going to join us on the show coming up tomorrow. Our Large City Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots coming at you again from Joe's Grill and Fisher's tomorrow. And then Bud Light Blue Friday on Friday is going to be here downtown at Kilroy's Rams. Colts tickets to give away. And uh, I believe Jay Feely's going to be on the call that game. CBS, is that coming up on Sunday, uh, no, right? No, Jay Feely's on the call of the Ravens game. We have him on Friday. That's what I mentioned. Yeah, I mentioned that. I was looking ahead. Jay Feely's going to be a call. He's going to be on the Colts-Ravens game. Yeah, Ravens game. I thought you said Rams game. No, no. I'm giving away Rams-Colts tickets. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. Rams-Colts tickets Friday. But, yeah, Colts-Ravens, Jay Feely's going to join us coming up on Friday's show. That's a job well done. Otherwise, 239-1070. Email the address at jmv at 1075thefan.com. Are you uh, the hall monitor today, are you? I believe I am. That? Have you made everybody aware of this? Uh, yes, I have. I have uh... I'm have. i going to tell you what. The biggest problem in there sometimes inside the lounge via YouTube Live, and I don't think it's a problem. I think it's a fun problem to have, but you know what the biggest problem can be inside our lounge? What's that? Me. <laughs> like I'm the biggest That's problem. That's fair. I think I'm like the biggest pain in there. But I got you guys a sponsorship, and I want you to act accordingly. We want to have fun. Win Schuler's Spreadable Cheeses, Indy's favorite spreadable cheese, of course. A sponsor inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Jump in there if you want to watch, if you want to listen, if you want to participate. We'll love to have you there, too. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Kari Thompson, Believe Podcast, covers the Ravens. That's and you at 239-1070 to start your Wednesday afternoon show. Next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, Reds fans, 5-3 twins. Reds led 3-1 in the eighth inning. And you don't have to be Nostradamus to guess what happened here. 
Nostradamus will be right on top of this one. Bullpen blows up. Eight games remain, and that was a big dent in any possible postseason plans right there. Again, pending the outcome of the remainder of the games today. Yeah, that was indeed a uh, big kick right there in the groin for Red Legs fans and that team. Bullpen blows up, and that was that. Hey, Will Mallory, tight end, rookie tight end out of Miami for the Colts joins us coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Kevin Bowen is out of practice today. And again, Anthony Richardson was there, did not participate. Concussion protocol continues. We'll follow this certainly for the rest of the week. Meantime, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, a little bit more insight on the competition coming up on Sunday in Baltimore. Following the 2-0 Baltimore Ravens from the Believe Podcast Network, Kari Thompson joins us now. Hello, Kari. How are you? Doing wonderfully. How are you? I have seen the numbers and I have heard the conversation. I have yet to talk to anybody, Car, that has been there on the scene. How much better does this offense look this year with Lamar Jackson at the controls compared to, and again, it's a thumbnail sketch of two weeks, though. How much better has it looked so far compared to years past? I think the Bengals game showed you exactly what this offense can look like. And one thing that was noted right off the bat in week one is how often the Ravens used three wide receiver sets. That was something they just didn't do very much under Greg Roman. When he was there, it was mostly about running backs, the running game, and tight ends. But under Todd Monk and the new offensive coordinator, they're spreading teams out and taking advantage of matchups. And I think basically you could put it qualitatively in this way. Lamar Jackson looked as at ease, as in control as he's ever looked in a Ravens uniform. And some of the throws that he was making against the Bengals, I, I feel like if, he, if there's a whole season of this, I think people are going to really find out just how good this guy is when he now has weapons on the outside that he just has never had as long as he's been in Baltimore. Zay Flowers, the rookie, is one of those. That was their target in the draft. They got exactly who they wanted. How is he acclimated to that position? And a lot, I'm assuming, being placed on his shoulders there offensively in Baltimore early on in his career. I think it's been a dream so far. I mean, so in the first week, they were just trying to manufacture some touches, get the ball in his hands, quick screens, you know, an end around or two. But he was running real routes in, in week one, and he was running big-time routes in week two, and he hit with Lamar Jackson on one of those, a big, deep ball down the field. And what was interesting about that play is that Lamar Jackson actually missed Zay Flowers, passed up an opportunity to throw that ball earlier in the game, and Zay Flowers is like, hey, I got him. Just look for me again later on. And he did. And Flowers, I think people really underestimated just how much of a complete wide receiver Zay Flowers is because you look at the speed and the quickness and you think, okay, he's a slot guy, kind of a jitterbug. Like, no, Zay Flowers can play everywhere. He can go get the ball down the field. He can make contested catches. So I really don't think it could possibly be going better for Zay Flowers. I mean, he's even throwing his body around 
in the run game blocking. I mean, he's just the ultimate competitor. And he fits so well with Lamar in that regard. Guy Thompson, he covers the Ravens podcast, the Believe Podcast Network, joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, again, a little bit of a background to the Colts. The first two weeks of the season, really the lone edge, well, against Houston, they had a lot of edges because you guys saw Houston and they're not any good. But granted, the consistency of this defensive line has been an edge for the Colts so far. So I haven't seen too much of the Ravens to this point. What does their offensive line look like? Because in terms of maybe the best group, that the Colts can put on the field, you probably start there with an edge with that defensive line. What's the old line of Baltimore look like to start the first couple of weeks of the season? It is hurt. Now, I will say that they played pretty solidly in week two, gave Lamar Jackson the time that he needed to you know, peruse down the field and make some big plays. Week one was a bit of an adventure because there, there was you know, injuries, guys going in and out. Tyler Linderbaum starting center goes down in the middle of the game. Ronnie Stanley, who's had a lot of injury issues, goes down in the game. Now, they had Patrick McCarry at left tackle in Ronnie Stanley's stead, and then you had Dan Mustafer, who was an undrafted free agent who played with Chicago, who really didn't play terribly well, but they needed him to play because they just didn't have very good offensive line depth. But he comes to, to Baltimore and plays well for them in week two. So I still think that's an area that the Colts probably should be able to take advantage of, of the Ravens a little bit, just because there are injuries there, but this is where it's going to get interesting. As far as Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator, can he scheme around that? Because it looked like he did it in week two. And again, you're going to see some of these quick throws, get it out of your hands into your playmakers, Lamar Jackson, spreading things out, hitting short routes, just getting the ball out of the hands and neutralizing that defensive front. Because I think that if you sit there and you do five and seven-step drops all game, eventually that offensive line could get exposed a bit. Let's uh, Craig Thompson again covers the Ravens on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. And we know this Ravens defense always to be aggressive. And certainly, historically speaking, with John Harbaugh, one of the best in the NFL year after year after year, what – is their look so far through the first two weeks and what do you expect them once they really get into the groove what's the expectation of this group defensively moving forward this season you know what's interesting is i don't know if we're going to see that for a little while because you don't have marlon humphrey their best cornerback quite possibly their best defensive player outside of linebacker roquan smith and then you also lost marcus williams when you're starting safeties to injury as well and he might be gone for the year we, we don't quite know the extent of his pectoral injury but it doesn't the prognosis doesn't seem very good so you're getting into the depth of the baltimore ravens defense a little bit but again, against the Bengals, they played pretty well. And they, they really limited Joe Burrow, especially in the first half. Though maybe that's just the Bengals needing to knock off some rust. But look, Rocky Asin, who is supposed to be the second cornerback on that team, opposite Marlon Humphrey, he's kind of been elevated to the number one position. He had some really good reps against Jamar Chase. And anytime you can have good reps against Jamar Chase, that's a very good sign. And just generally, I mentioned the linebacker. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, I think the other two linebackers playing next to each other are playing some really top-notch football right now. And expect, especially you know, depending on what happens with Anthony Richardson, whether it's Anthony Richardson or Gardner Minshew, expect to see a lot of those linebackers coming downhill in the passing game. They are both 
great blitzers. They, the Ravens love sending them after quarterbacks. And they're also going to come downhill in the run game as well. So, it, as you said, it's going to be a very aggressive attacking defense. And it's one that they're, they're just very deep. They have good depth so far at, at you know, most of their positions. And even Jadevian Clowney, a guy that they'd signed just before the season started, has been playing some pretty solid football as a pass rusher as well for a pass rush unit we weren't really sure was going to be very good. Charlie, you brought up former Colts cornerback Rocky Yassin here, and I'm kind of curious. What was your thought going into the season? And you mentioned that he has played, at least against the Bengals, well above to this point, your expectation? I think that with him – I, I looked at that as he was going to be a very solid bookend to Marlon Humphrey, who is clearly he's a lockdown cornerback. He's the kind of guy that you pay big money to just take away one side of the field and, and, and really you know force the action to the other side. And so then you go ahead and you put the guy like Rocky Asin on the other side, a veteran cornerback, a solid, you know, dependable starter, so that not only do you not have this overwhelming weakness on the other side, but maybe you have a strength compared to what other, you know, second cornerbacks in the league are. But again, I think that just having him be on the roster has, has really mattered a lot with Marlon Humphrey out because on the other side of things, you've got, got some more unproven guys like Jalen Armour Davis. You might see him playing a little bit. Or Ardarius Washington, who's played a little bit of, of cornerback and a little bit of safety. If you were trotting those guys out there as your main cornerbacks, that would be a problem. But because you have Rocky Asin, who again, I mean, that rips the ball away from Jamar Chase in the end zone. That is, that is a difficult assignment. He's, you know, Chase is an incredible athletic receiver but again rocks just physical play i think helps set the tone a little bit against what you would view probably as a as a big time mismatch again kai thompson believe podcast covers the ravens with us via the andy moore automotive group hotline and i guess it's because kari we're in the situation now with anthony richardson and there's a lot of quarterback movement a lot of running around outside the pocket all that is designed offensively and you have covered that and you have lived that with lamar jackson you look at where lamar jackson is right now how has so far this season compared with this new offense, the new offensive coordinator and the weapons he has around him in terms of putting himself in, in quote-unquote harm's way. Has he dialed that back? Is he more of a passing threat now? Or is that, that multi-threat still something that everybody has to keep an eyeball on, at least through the first two weeks of the season, Kari? He's still very much a run threat. The thing is, I think people have misunderstood Lamar Jackson for a while. It's not that he couldn't, like, he only just now is figuring out how to pass. Like, the guy could always pass the ball, but sometimes you would have injuries to the running back position, like what you have now, where they lost J.K. Dobbins, their starting running back for the season, and now you're signing guys like Kenyon Drake to come in and, and fill depth roles for this offense. So they needed Lamar Jackson to run more. I'll point this out. In week one, he had no designed runs at all. And I think some of that was just a matter of, okay, we're not really going to lean too hard into the game plan this week. Let's just pass the ball. Let's run the ball you know, with our running backs and get out of here against the Texans and then move on to the Bengals. He had eight designed runs against the Bengals. So I, I, 
expected there to be a little bit more from that standpoint. But I think when you've got quarterbacks like that and, and like Anthony Richardson, whom, by the way, I think that on film, he's doing a lot of really nice things. I think people talked about Anthony Richardson like he was going to be some kind of project, like, oh, maybe you can't play him in his first year. I don't. I didn't think that was the case at all, and I think he's done some good things. But again, as a rookie, you don't entirely know what you're looking at just yet. So there is going to be a little bit of, you know, especially a guy that big, designed running, designed carries. There's going to be a little bit of him escaping the pocket and, and trying to make plays with his legs. But I think the key with, with Lamar Jackson is, again, finding an offensive coordinator that was willing to let him sling the rock. And I think that was something that was always a knock with Greg Roman. It was very run-based, you know, very heavy personnel, and you're throwing to Mark Andrews all the time. And look, eventually a team is going to say, well, the only guy they throw to is Mark Andrews, so let's go ahead and cover him. Now you cannot do that. They have too many weapons. They've got, in addition to Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr. Nelson Aguilar had himself a little mini breakout game last week. And then that doesn't even talk about Rashad Bateman and Devin DuVernay, guys that have been there for a couple of years. So as time goes on with Anthony Richardson, as they build this team around him a little bit, obviously you've got Alec Pierce and you've got Michael Pittman. As you continue to build that offense, it's going to rely a little bit more with time on Anthony Richardson's arm and his ability to see defenses, get the ball out of his hands. But you never want to take away things that are that, that make a guy special. And Lamar Jackson in particular, one of his, his superpowers has been avoiding big hits when he runs. He's just he's magical when it comes to that. Hopefully Anthony Richardson can do the same. Hey, Carl, you sound, in closing here, incredibly young. Uh, and certainly the, the hatred in Baltimore for the Colts here in Indy goes back it's multi-generational now back to 1984 how much of that that deeply rooted hatred is still looming in baltimore of this colts franchise in indy you know what's funny is i'm i'm uh you know from indiana myself oh you really uh, well tell so, me a little bit more yeah. about it well so i'm from from northwest indiana myself and you know i've, I've been you know some of that followed the ravens for a really long time but one of the things you hear about is is especially from people I know that, that love the Browns, right? Just the, the unbelievable, like, like kind of triangle of, of rage from, uh, you know, Art Modell moving the team out of town and, and, the, and you know, the, the Colts getting, you know, taken away and, you know, all, all of that. And so I think that there, there are, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that there's so much of that that I've experienced myself, but I do the podcast with a former Raven in, uh, in, in Danny Wilcox, and I think that the Colts were one of the teams that he kind of talked about where he wasn't around when that happened, but he was sort of born into the, the, the rage, right? Because Ray Lewis was still there when, when Danny Wilcox was playing. Yeah. And, and, and guys that had been there kind of from the beginning in 1996. And so I don't know how much of that necessarily persists in today's Ravens that, that are playing right now, because most of them, right, are, are kind of like me. They're younger than me. And and so that's not something that they hear a lot about. But in terms of, of the owners, the guys that have kind of been around in executive positions for a long time, I, I would be shocked if there wasn't a little bit of, you know what, let's, keep, let, let's, let's put the screws to these guys a little bit, because in the end, forever beefs are forever beefs for a reason. Yeah. 
That's always, it seems like it's getting less and less as the years go by, certainly, and that makes sense. But I always thought, Kari, there was still something there, too. Kari Thompson, Believe Podcast Network, covers the Ravens. Kind enough to join us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hey, Kari, I appreciate you. Enjoy the game coming up on Sunday. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Would love to. Have a great day. Kari Thompson right there from Northwest Indiana. The armpit. <laughs> so where Tony Donnie is going, man. Will Mallory, top of the hour. Colts rookie tied in. Kevin Bowen, 5 o'clock hour. Sandler tickets coming up. Your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Two more minutes. They could be miles off course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. A real sweat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. That Thursday and Friday, I'm on the road. Hopefully you can join us. Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots, Brett Halverson and me tomorrow. Joe's Grill and Fishers. Free samples will be flowing. Danny Cannell tomorrow. College football conversation. Kenny Arnoff, drummer tomorrow. Farm Aid. And some sports conversation. You remember Kenny's been on before and is an outstanding dude. He joins us coming up tomorrow as well. Mike Chappell tomorrow, too. Jay Feely is going to join us on Friday, Bud Light Blue Friday, downtown with Rams. Colts tickets to give away. Kilroy's downtown. I'm assuming Hagen will be with me as well. You got Bob Lovell getting you set for week six of the high school football season. Brought to you by CarX every Friday night right here at 7 o'clock. Your high school football game of the week. That's Hamilton Southeastern and Zionsville and Brendan King on the call coming up on Friday night, 7 o'clock, your high school football game of the week. Brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run Car X locations. To find a location nearest you, that's carx.com. Today, Colts tied in Will Mallory in a second. Mike is at 239-1070 to start this 4 o'clock hour. Hello, Mike. Hey, John. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thank you for asking. Sitting here rocking out the uh, Teachers Treasurers uh, Team Ross shirt you gave me. Oh, are you really? Good for you, man. Are you a supporter of Teachers Treasures like Um, I am? Yeah, I wish I could be more of it and have more time to do it. But, hey, I want to go down a quick evolution of these concussions and equipment real quick. Yeah. All right. So back in the day, they didn't wear helmets. Then they went to leather. And when I was at North Central, you could spin the helmet around on my head. I mean, it was that loose. Have they, and what's your thought on this? If safety becomes more of a priority, which it always should be, what about looking into something like IndyCar and a Hans device? Oh, the thing on the back of the neck type of deal? And some, yeah, some guys, some guys used to do that. I, I think, and I know what you're talking about here too, Mike. I think in the, as you mentioned, the evolution of safety, uh, especially in terms of, of head safety, and you're talking about, you know, head snapping back type of stuff that, that we saw kind of after the Stewart hit on Richardson on yeah. Sunday. But I, the next thing and the next direction they're going to go, and you see this all the time during, 
during training camp and they put those kind of sock looking things on top of their helmet uh that is going to be next in line now it's going to take them a while to figure out what is you know the best way to use it they'll evaluate it they'll run numbers on it but that is is going to be the next installment in my opinion this is just my opinion the next installment of head and helmet safety is going to be something like that i just don't know when it's going to be what was the uh, who was the guy that played? I believe it was for the Bills that had the oversized helmet. Um, was that? Uh, oh, uh, I'm not talking about Tasker. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Tasker. What? What was that helmet all no. about? I mean, are we going down that path where they're going to be enlarged? Um, um you see, I don't know. I think it's going to, going to be more that that protective sock kind of thing that they utilize. That's what I I think it's going to be. I, I could be wrong about that though, and that's just a guess. I don't really know, but I mean, when you ask me right here, I just kind of think that's ultimately what it's going to be is that. But Tasker had a concussion, didn't he? Yeah, and I think we were thinking about was it Tasker or Don Beebe? I can't remember. Maybe, maybe it was Tasker. It was either one, but yeah, yeah, and it was yeah, and I don't know how much more protection that gave especially in that particular late 80s early 90s era but i would just suggest mike that next up is going to be kind of what we see in training camp and that's the reason why you know this is you know, they, they test it out to see how it works and if, if it does better and then you try to implement that in ways so I, I think that's going to be next people ask all the time about it and that's just kind of the blanket answer that i give but at some point you would think that would be next up well, I'm going to try and get by Joe's tomorrow, see what how, what's going on. But uh, thanks for taking my call. Hey, that is a hell of an opportunity to come by and get you a free sample right there, too, or plural, samples. Uh, Colts injury report, by the way. Ryan Kelly, Anthony Richardson, DNP's concussion protocol. Quentin Nelson did not participate. Toe situation. Kenny Moore and Grover Stewart with a knee and a foot on a limited basis today. Talk to Kevin Bowen about that coming up here at the top of the hour. You know what? I had them both wrong. It, it was Mark Kelso who we're thinking of. Thank you, Steve. Mark Kelso. Who did I say? Steve Tasker and Don Beebe. It was Mark Kelso. Thank you, Steve. I came up, <laughs> I came up with two and not the right one. I love you guys. The BB Tasker Kelso. Yeah. It was Mark Kelso. Thank you, brother. Kevin Bowen in the 5 o'clock hour, but joining us now via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know his last name very well here in the state of Indiana. Certainly Hoosier fans do. Um, I do as well. His uncle, a friend of mine, Kurt Mallory, who was the head coach over at Indiana State. Of course, his dad collegiately. I mean, his family is nothing but football. Uh, his late grandfather, huge as far as football is concerned. Legendary down in Bloomington at IU. But it's uh, the mark he's making right now at tight end as a rookie out of miami let's welcome into the show will mallory of the colts via the andy moore automotive group hotline will thank you for the time how are you i'm doing well yeah thank you for having me i am a huge fan like many others of your family uh and certainly uh your uncle your uncle kurt i'm an indiana state grad so i'm yep, big, time, awesome. big time sycamore guy and <laughs> I, I, love, I love kurt I, I'm, I'm serious when you first found out this was going to be your destination how many flooding memories did you have about the state of indiana just how much love the state has for your family name yeah it was obviously it was a big big moment for for my family and the fact that it was 
you know, here in Indiana just, you know, means a lot to us. And um, just with, you know, the history, I mean, I grew up coming here, you know, um, in Bloomington um, as a kid and just a lot of great memories. And uh, just it means a lot to my family. You went to Miami. Why was Miami? And I know you're out of Jacksonville, Florida, high school wise. Why was Miami that destination? You had a lot of SEC schools, Big Ten schools. Why was Miami that selection and the best spot for you? Uh, yeah, I, I felt really good with you know what they were doing with the offense at the time and how they how they used their tight ends and they they pitched that to me and I, I saw myself fit in there and you know um, obviously Michigan was you know uh, the next one up really for me and I think I just kind of wanted to go to Miami do my thing and you know be a part of that like tight end U tradition I thought that was you know super cool. Was there a a major Michigan um, not being upset but just just kind of disappointing? because you didn't choose their school to play football? Uh, not from my family, at least I feel. They were very supportive of wherever I sure. wanted to go. But, I mean, either way, I've always been a Michigan fan, and I, I still root for them now. Did you get a full-court press from any former Hurricanes coming out of high school to go there? <laughs> no, no. It was, yeah, they just they, – uh, Coach Rick and Todd Hartley, the coach at the time, did such a great job, and I just felt that that was home for me. Well, it's just funny. All, a lot of those Hurricane guys formerly, especially of that golden era, kind of stick together in terms of who they want to get there and how they recruit. They do a, a lot of talking to those uh, possible incoming guys out of mm-hmm. high school too. So uh, good talking to you. Will Mallory joins us here via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Was it a surreal moment when you caught your first – NFL pass or was it like you've been there before how how was that uh, yeah, I mean, I think it was a little mixture of both. I think it was, you know, like, hey, I popped wide open, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get this ball. And, um, you know, it just felt like it was all in slow motion. Adrenaline was pumping and stuff, and it was a really cool moment. But, you know, I felt I felt good out there. I felt like I fit in. And, um, it, yeah, it was definitely a special moment. I just want to keep building off that. I feel like that I would need a diaper during that moment, too, probably during <laughs> all, all those moments. I, does that take extra focus? I mean, now, now you kind of got the feel and you know what it's like. Like, I mean, you, you caught a couple and you've been hit a couple of times. You get that feeling there. But did that first one take a little bit extra attention to detail? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when it's up in the air, it felt like it was there forever, and I'm just waiting for it to come down. And um, now, yeah, like I said, it kind of just felt like it was in slow motion. And then, you know, once I got it, it was just hey, try and make something happen, just run. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, Mallory, the tight end, by the way, 49 yards receiving in those two catches over the weekend, the Colts' victory over Houston. That is a big tight end room that you're involved with right now. How much is there to soak up and learn? And how is it from guy to guy? in that room uh, as far as team orientation there. I was kind of curious about that. Yeah, no, it's been a great room since I've gotten here. You know, um, it's still a young group relatively, but we still got some older guys, you know, with Mo and Kylan playing for a couple years now. So um, they've been nothing but great to me and, you know, helping me in my process. And um, it's obviously a competitive room, but um, they've done a great job, of, I feel like, of taking me under their wing and, you know, trying to help me on, on things that I can improve on. And, and then overall, I mean, it's a, you know, coach told us it's a it's a group by committee so it's however we can help the team and obviously those guys have you know uh good stuff going on and it's just hey whatever i can do to help um that's what i'm going to do and uh but it's a, it's a really good group will does the timing and and then the destination here in indy does it all feel right to you and the reason why i ask is i think there was some thought maybe that you would would come out a year earlier you decided to go back to miami and i was always curious would you have second thoughts out of that or do you feel like like everything worked out the way everything should work out in this case. 
Yeah, I'm a believer in that, just that everything, you know, works the way it's supposed to. And I felt like I needed to come back for one more year. There's more stuff I wanted to do at Miami, and I just wasn't ready to leave yet. And, um, I, yeah, I feel like it worked out It worked out well. Um, I'm happy to be here. Your, um, your signature right now, like, what do you feel like you're most complete at doing at your position? And then on the other hand, Will, what are some things that you know, and again, you can lean on that wide receiving room for a little bit of help side as well. What are some things you, you truly need to, to soak up here moving forward as a rookie? Uh, yeah, I think it's just, you know, learning to become more of a complete tight end. I think, you know, uh, I've got some good receiving skill. And, you know, I can make plays after the catch, but I, I think there's something that I want to prove to to the team and, uh, you know, to others that I can be a complete tight end and that I want to, you know, work on my blocking game and just be a, a complete tight end and as well as special teams. Uh, you know, just whatever I can do to contribute, that's what, that's what I want to do. I think it was the second catch. Was it not on Sunday when you had a lot of space, right? Was it the second one or the first? I can't remember now. It was uh, the, the first one. First one, one yeah. yeah. Uh, the second one, I don't know how it squeezed into you, too. <laughs> kind of got there. I want to talk about the one where you had all that space. Did it seem like you had the acres of space out there as it looked on TV, or is it a little bit tighter because that's the first time that ball is, is coming at you and you're about ready to catch it? How did that feel just outside of the focus and the attention of detail that you had for that moment? Yeah, the, the first catch definitely. Once I caught it, it was you felt that you were wide open, yeah. and and you almost in those you're like you don't even know what to do because you're so surprised you're that wide open and just hey run and try and make as many more yards as you can. But um, yeah, no, it was it, it just worked out that way. Yeah, you you, you catch, and I'm, I'm sure in the future, man, you're going to take off probably even faster. But I'm assuming you're just saying I'm, I got to secure this football right now, man. That's no what I've got to do. I'm out here all by myself. I don't want this to be the first highlight, right? here i'm all no by myself but uh, the second one were you surprised that got to you in that moment uh no i i mean i guess watching the film i didn't realize how tight it was with that um uh corner coming over yeah. um but i mean it was a great throw by by gardner and he put it right where it needed to be and so it, yeah it didn't feel like it was a um that tight of a throw or catch until I watched the film. He is Will Mallory, the rookie tied in for the Colts via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Colts in Baltimore coming up on Sunday. I want to get to that matchup and a little bit more on your family in a second, but you had two quarterbacks on the field on Sunday. Anthony Richardson started, obviously, he exited the game, and then you had Gardner Minshew. Give me some differences in the huddle, outside the huddle, just in preparation to receive a pass from either one, some of the the, the subtle differences and, and maybe some of the things that, that obviously only you and others on your team might notice about some of those differences on the field with your quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, I think uh, just like any player, they both have their certain skill sets and you know what they can do. Um, but at the end of the day, they're both they're both studs, and we're lucky to have them. And uh, whoever's in, uh, we know when everyone has that full trust in them that they're going to command the offense and make stuff happen. So no matter who it is, obviously unfortunate that you know that Anthony got hurt. And um, but uh, you know whoever's in, you know we feel comfortable with with either. It looks like when Anthony throws it, it uh, more times. Than 
the nut comes in pretty damn hot. Um, how hot how hot is that football coming in there when you know he's got to rifle it in there between a couple of guys? Yeah, he's got a big arm. He's got a talented arm. So, um, But it, it, that's what his job is, is to throw it. And it's our, our job to make the play and catch it. So no matter what the speed is or whatever it is, you know, that's on us to make the play. He, he's going to put it where it needs to be. I'm assuming this is still a work in progress. But, but how easy or lack thereof has this offense been for you to soak up and grasp? Uh, I feel like, you know, I, I've picked it up well. I mean, just like any rookie, there's there's just the finer details that you really have to, you know, hone in on and, and, and you know, make sure that you got it down. But um, I feel like the coaches have done a great job of, of teaching it to us, and I feel like all the new guys and everyone uh, learning it has, has done a good job of, of soaking it up. So, um, yeah, I feel like it's been a smooth, smooth transition. He is Will Mallory who joins us. Did you watch any film of any current or past tight ends to try to even better prep yourself? for your rookie season? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I've, I always love watching tight ends, and, you know, it, it always happens to be, I, I watch a lot of the Miami guys, so um, I always love watching Greg Olson and, um, you know, Jimmy Graham and, and really just all the, the tight ends in the league now. Um, so I just pay attention to them and, you know, trying to pick up a thing or two is, is what I like to do. Did you at all go back and watch what Philly did a year ago when your coach was the offensive coordinator there and, for example, watch how Dallas Goddard was used? And, and others were used in that system a year ago? Yeah, no doubt. We, we've watched a lot of, of their film and see how they've used all three of those tight ends, and um, and they all do different things really well. And um, so, yeah, it, it's cool to see them using that many tight ends in, in different ways. Baltimore's pretty good. Pretty good defense, obviously offensively led by Lamar Jackson. Very good as well. What are your initial impressions on that defense you guys are going to see in Baltimore on Sunday in Week 3? Yeah, impressive defense, you know. They're aggressive and, you know, um, they, they make stuff happen. So it's, it's going to be a great matchup for us, and we got to prepare accordingly. I know we are, and the coach has got a good good uh, plan for us. So, Go back to um, training camp for a moment. Did you have to do any singing in front of your teammates <laughs> at all? What, what did you end up having to do? Because I never heard. Sometimes mm-hmm. you hear, sometimes you – I mean, if you watch Hard Knocks, then you get to see it all. But did you have to do anything? Did you have to entertain at any moment during camp? Uh, yeah, we, we all had to sing, and I was on top of snacks for the room, so it wasn't, wasn't too bad. I apologize for everyone that had to listen to me sing. but um. what, what snacks did you bring? Uh, whatever the guys wanted, a lot of sunflower seeds or whatever, just in meetings, whatever they, whatever they wanted. Okay, what did you sing? Uh, I sung Ain't No Mountain High. Um, That's beautiful, dude. That's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> did, you know, did you know it word for word? I did, but I, I I didn't sound anything like Marvin Gaye. So. <laughs> did he, did you rehearse it? This is the best right here. Did you rehearse it a couple of different times? Uh, pretty much the majority of the summer. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. And was this in the car? This at home? Just quiet times? You do it in front of people? Yeah, definitely in the car. Just driving anywhere. Just kept kept replaying it. But uh, no, I, I didn't practice really in front of anyone. <laughs> is that? Um, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Is that? Um, Kind of the the locker room moment from uh, Remember the Titans. Correct. Oh yeah, man! Is that where you got this idea? Uh yeah, that and that was a, it's a quicker song that I I could remember the words to pretty easily. Man, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm kind of forced to right here. Can you can you give me a line or two that, that you feel comfortable with? <laughs> no, I will <laughs> save that for the teammates. I'm right. a, I'm gonna stick to football. Dude, well, I tell you what, you'll never want to be out with me. But if you ever get out with me live, I, I swear to you, I'm gonna make you do this. Okay. Okay, I'll... <laughs> you have to. Um, it's Will Mallory 
Bowie with us. Before I let you go, I, I do. I've heard about this before, obviously from Kurt and others. Um, when you guys, as the Mallorys, get together, what do you guys? Do you guys watch film? Do you do like what do you guys do? Normal stuff? What happens in a family gathering with the Mallorys? Because I just kind of have in my mind that it's just football talk after football talk going on. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's any time, if we are lucky enough to get together kind of during the holidays and there's football on, um, that's obviously going to be what we're watching and, and whatnot. And then, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we, we do a good job of, you know, of, of just like making it family time and, and whatnot. But yeah, definitely a lot of football is being talked, which is, which is cool. Cause then I, you know, kind of pick up stuff from my uncles and my dad and, and whoever, but, uh, yeah, so a lot of football for sure. Well, we're going to get both of us in trouble on this one before I let you go. Who was uh, who was the best collegiate player in the Mallory family? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It's tough. That's a tough it, one. Yeah, I I don't want to get either one of us in trouble on this. Um, I, yeah. I I would say I, I'll say Kurt just because I talked to Kurt. Um, yeah, and you be, you better say your dad. Be honest with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, better, you better say your dad. Um, yeah. Hey, I tell you what, Will. Congratulations on getting your feet off the ground last week down in Houston, and hopefully there's more to come offensively from that. And remember, if you ever get out with me live, it's going to have to be at least a couple of lines of this, kind of like reliving that locker room yep. moment right there, if you will. That sounds good. But, hey, it's good to talk with you, man. Give everybody in the family our best because you know this, the state of Indiana absolutely adores the Mallory family, man. And I always well, thought you. that that was cool as hell. You guys mean so much. Much, both on and off the field means so much to so many around here but it's awesome to talk with you best of luck in the future and hopefully we do it again down the road buddy thank you absolutely thank you so much that is will mallory right there the colts the rookie tight end on the andy moore automotive group hotline i'm kind of glad he didn't end up giving us a couple of lines because I, I i don't want the radio guy to put him in that situation it was bad enough that i asked but I'm glad that he deferred to a different time. Plus, I'm thinking he's probably in a training room or a locker room <laughs> over on West 56. Man, that's fun right there. I loved it, too. And I, I am, and you know this just because my relationship w- with Kurt and, and how much I, I love my school, Indiana State, and obviously, you know, growing up at the time with Bill Mallory, um, his late grandfather, you know, doing what he did down in Bloomington, it is so meaningful. And really, I mean, it, it, it is heartfelt what you get. It's it's more than just a football coach and a football family. It's, it's like it's your family, too. It's always felt that way to me because I was always a huge lover of Bill and, and what he did in Bloomington and the teams he had in Bloomington. And obviously, I'm always cheering on what Kurt is doing over at Indiana State. Just an incredible family. It really is. And that's the rookie tight end of the Colts, Will Mallory. If you missed any of it, the podcast, 1075thefan.com. More to come on this show at 239-1070 and your chance to win. Adam Sandler tickets coming to Cambridge Fieldhouse in November. you got to listen to win. It's 93.5107.5thefan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. It is not the Messiah. 
He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Well, Mallory was awesome. Podcast that up for the Rookie Colts tight end. 107.5thefan.com. This date in music history, 1980. This is one of those albums that everybody had, nearly everybody had. Todd Meyer, did you have Blizzard of Oz? No. Blizzard of Oz, this date back in 1980, which gave us what is one of the major rock anthems that still holds true today. And that is Crazy Train. Actually, this is a big day for a couple of different albums. I'll give you the other one coming up a little bit later on in the show. Man, if you're my age and you had to ride the bus for a while, right? Until your friends a little bit older than you got their driver's license or until uh, somebody ripped off a car and you just drove it for a while and then got in trouble and stopped doing it. Anyway, if you had to ride the bus, had a lot of this growing up where I was. A lot of Blizzard of Oz, Steve Miller Band, a lot of Tom Petty on our bus. I don't know if that was the cool bus or not. (laughs) It's funny. I don't know how many of you parents out there have dealt with the same thing uh my kids rarely have ever ridden the bus true story i rode the bus basically every day up until uh, probably halfway through my being 15 and then somebody turned 16 in front of me or whatever and boom there we were or somebody was held back and migrated. It was something like that. Something very Green County. But no, Crazy Train and Blizzard of Oz all the time. This date, back in 1980, this portion of the show brought to you by Winchuler's Spreadable Cheeses. Again, an original sharp cheddar, bacon cheddar. And Pepper Jack, the official sponsor inside the lounge via YouTube Live. It is your backyard barbecue, your tailgate party, or just for a snack. Win Schuler Spreadable Cheese. It's available at Kroger and Meyer today. Yeah, I would agree with you guys. You guys are liking Will Mallory and me too. Now, good conversation across the board with him. Hey, you talk about some stuff going on right now in Chicago. So... Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator, who was here once upon a time, uh, Alan Williams has resigned this afternoon. So he is done with the Bears. And there are some, some major rumors and some incredible speculation. Brad Biggs, for example, and I know you guys don't care about the Bears around here, but I'm assuming when you're talking about in terms of, you know, a soap opera that's going on someplace else other than here, right? Uh, you know, maybe maybe you get into it a little bit. Brad Biggs, who's covered the Bears for you know, a myriad of years, uh, tweeted this in the past 30 minutes. Lots of speculation about the status of Alan Williams. I can tell you for the last three days, we've been operating under the belief that his absence has not been related to health or a family matter. Evidently, according to sources up there, his home was raided on Sunday. And there was some speculation that Hallis Hall was re- was uh, raided, but then I think that has since been shot down. I'm I'm kind of on the fly catching up with a lot of these rumors. But there are some major ones out there. 
Man, it seems like a really bad situation all the way around. But the news that you do have is, again, Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator of the Bears, resigned this afternoon. And now there's just a lot of rumors as to what is going on. Yeah. Yeah, bad stuff, no doubt. Hey, JMV, I heard you bring up the Reds a little bit earlier. Reds lose at home. The Reds led into the eighth inning and then crapped the bed and lost with the bullpen uh, after Hunter Green pitched incredibly well, struck out 14, lose the series with the Twins, and probably, and again, pending the outcome of the day, falling further behind with an opportunity to punch in that final wild card ticket to the postseason. And again, do I believe that's going to happen? No, but at the same time, it's been fun while it's lasted. Uh, JMV, could you go around the horn and name your favorite Reds player at each position? Yeah, I mean, I, I could. I'd probably, I may struggle with a little overlapping, right? Probably. Maybe some move some guys around. Like you have Cal Daniels in left field. You know, I, I don't know if I'd put Rose at left or at third. If I put Rose in left, could I put Chris Sabo at third? And obviously, I, I come from the eras, and, and the most noted were the ones where they won. Whether you're talking about going back-to-back back with the big red machine, or you're talking about wire-to-wire to, wire to 1990, you know, that's always going to be my wheelhouse. And then always the anchor in center field is going to be Eric Davis. Always at second base is going to be Joe Morgan. Always behind the plate is going to be Johnny Bench. I love Dave Concepcion, but you got to put Barry Larkin for me there. At first base, that's going to be Tony Perez. Right field, as much as I love Paul O'Neill, and that was a ridiculous trade. Worked out great for the Yankees and for Paul O'Neill, but I, uh, I love Ken Griffey Sr., so it's just going to be basically a merging, a combination, right? Yeah, a combination of those from the Big Red Machine and 1990. I don't know if I would add anybody outside of those years. That probably would be about it. Hey, JMV, this is from Robbie B. I feel like Jonathan Taylor on the PUP list is great for the Colts. Give some other teams a chance to start 3-1 and one and then feel... Like they can make a deep run into the postseason and just need a running back to complete their mission. Then they overpay like hell for him. I just sit here right now, Robbie. I don't know who in the world is going to overpay for him, brother. Like I have seen all these these wild-ass ideas of what is expected the Colts would get in return if they had a change of heart and decided to trade him. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, a a player, an active player, and a high draft selection, I, I'm sorry. There's no way. No way. Yeah, what we saw the Browns do today was something everybody thought the Browns were going to do. They brought somebody back that had been in the system not too long ago. Kareem Hunt was signed by the Browns. What did he get? $4 million, I think, today? Something like that? Of course, Nick Chubb not just done for the year, but man... Multiple operations is what they're talking about from that injury on Monday Night Football, which was absolutely brutal. 
I just think there are a lot of folks out there that believe in the case of the Colts getting a return that it's going to be a lot more than is feasible. JMV, what about Dave Parker? I love Dave Parker. I think Dave Parker won the MVP, what was that, 1985? They made him shave his beard because of the no facial hair rule at the time by the Reds. That was a bummer because Dave Parker was a badass and certainly a badass with a beard. Uh, But I like Dave Parker better in his days in Pittsburgh. Corey Kenny says, would you have an all-time Cubs team? Oh, of course I would, right? Jody Davis behind the plate. Ron Say at third. Sean Dunstan at short. No, check that. Larry Boa at short. (laughs) Manny Trio at second. Leon Durham at first. I think I'm just giving you the 1984 team. Gary Matthews, Sarge in the left. Mike Vale in right. Larry Bittner as your pinch hitter. Rick Sutcliffe as the pitcher. I don't know where I'd... Pete LeCock played there too, right? Where would I put him at short? I already got a shortstop. I think I just gave you most of the 1984 team right there. But no, here's what's good about it. I can actually name it. And what's funny, I'm not giving anybody anything from the World Series winning team. I give you that 84 team. And and here's a bit of information you may not know. I actually dug the 84 team. And my grandpa, when they moved to Speedway from GC because the Cubs were constantly on, I know Ryan Sandberg, uh, the Cubs were constantly on, um, became a Cubs fan up here. They were always on on WGN in the afternoon, and he became a Cubs fan. <laughs> and we one, one Christmas, uh, we made him. You remember the, uh, the Cabbage Patch dolls that came out, right? Uh, we, we put a Cubs uniform on a I guess stripped down the Cabbage Patch doll, put a Cubs uniform on it, and it was uh, Don Zimmer. It was <laughs> it was Don Zimmer, Don Zimmer doll right there. Nah, yeah, both of those would be relatively easy right there. Yeah, what is going on in Chicago right now is some absolute craziness. I saw this from Courtney Cronin, who covers the Bears at ESPN.com. A team spokesman addressed the rumors regarding Hallis Hall being raided today as false. We were also told that police have not been to Hallis Hall in connection to Allen Williams. Allen Williams, their defensive coordinator, has resigned today. And you do have a um, a statement, I believe, from Alan Williams that has been uh, typed and written. Alan Williams, once upon a time, was here, if you remember. Diana Russini tweets, the league is not involved in the Alan Williams situation. Per sources, I'm told it was his decision to resign. This has repeatedly been categorized as a personal situation and was handled internally by the Bears. 
Yeah, I see it now. It says breaking news, Hallis Hall, home of the Bears, and defensive coordinator Williams both reportedly been raided. That's that ML football. What do you guys call these handles on Twitter or X, as it's called right now? This one is called at underscore ML football. And what they end up doing, I think it's like that dove or dove, whatever it is, one, and they just end up regurgitating other reports around. And you really get a lot of misinformation passed around on Twitter or X. Is that what I'm talking about? Is it Dove or Dove Clinman or whatever the hell I, that thing is? I know exactly who you're talking yeah. about. And that one account you're saying, the ML one, that I don't know if I trust that account completely because they're kind of associated with like the NFL rumors or whatever it is. That, they all seem to be. It's like probably under 50% accurate. Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation on those ones. What do you call them? What's the official name for those? There's like a name, social media, X or Twitter name. I have no idea. In describing what they are. I don't have what it is. I'm not nerdy enough to know. Clearly, I need to be a little bit more nerdy. It's from Robert. Love the Reds. Harry Davis and Dave Park are my all-time favorite, but who was the goofy dude that wore the protective glasses and goggles? Um, Goofy dude. Hardcore, hard-ass third baseman that may or may not have a couple of different times. Actually, he did cork his bat. (laughs) That would be Spuds McKenzie. Chris Sabo. I love Sabo. Absolutely love him. There was nothing better than after a game, a Chris Sabo interview. Nothing better. Uh, 239-1070 is the number. Seriously, I'm trying to think. You hear Shane Steichen and answering questions now, and they're about four-word answers. You probably get more out of Shane Steichen now than you ever got out of Chris Sabo. His were like two, and it was glorious. Love Sabo. Uh, Jim here before the break. Kevin Bow on top of the hour. Sandler tickets also forthcoming. Don't go away. And Jim's going to jump on here before the break. Hello, Jim. Hey, Jim V. How's it going? Jim, I'm fantastic. I'm trying to lean a little bit into what's going on in, in Chicago here. There's a lot of crap going on up there, and I cannot. That's America. I feel yeah. good. I feel good about the fact that that stuff's happening someplace else. So I'm yeah, on that. Yeah, we don't need any more soap opera stuff here. So that's happening no, in we, Chicago. We, we, but we I am. Our limit. Yeah. Our yeah. And, and, and it doesn't hey, sound I like eat. it doesn't sound like it ever went as in depth as it is going right now, reportedly up there. But a circus, yeah. it certainly was. And we don't need Absolutely. it any longer. You mentioned the cabbage patch dolls. I've got an incredible cabbage patch doll story for you. <laughs> OK, great. Seriously. I'm glad. Like the guy, you know, when they came out, this was, this was years ago. They first came out, they were all the rays that were almost impossible to find. Yeah. And, and they were very expensive. The guy I work with got his daughter one for Christmas, and she opened up and played with it for just a few hours, and the doll's head came off. It was defective. So he took it back to uh, Toys R Us or wherever he got it, expecting to get his money back, and they said, well, you have to send it back to the manufacturer. And, you know, they, the doll came with the birth certificate. So yeah. he sends the doll back, expecting to get his money back, you know what he got back, JMV? What's that? He, he got back a death certificate. Your doll is dead. <laughs> he was so mad. Your doll is dead. Yeah, that was one of the uh, the first toys or dolls I could remember where there was mass hysteria at oh, department stores and toy stores when when yeah. they were released. 
Right. As far as the red, I don't think I heard you mention one of their disred as a the player was a, George Foster was it was a yeah a I know yeah yeah George Foster should be a, a left fielder for me I'm sure yeah. He, I love George Foster. For, for years, I used yeah. to, I used to, um, you know, when I first started, once I got into Little League, obviously we were using an aluminum bat, but uh, playing backyard baseball, I had a black bat because of what George Foster was swinging and his 52 yep. 1977 home runs to lead Major League Baseball was outstanding. Yes. Yeah. He outstanding. had like 50 home runs and 150 RBIs one year. He, 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 he was on fire for a few years. So Loved yeah. it, too. And then they traded him to the Mets. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jim. Thanks. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Cabbage Patch. We made the Cabbage Patch doll into Don Zimmer. I don't even know if that's that may still be around somewhere, too. It was absolutely fantastic. You guys would have been impressed. I mean, now you can, like, have it made. Well, we made this on our own. Yeah, George Foster, 1977, had 52 home runs. He was such a badass. Uh, Will Mallory, rookie tied into the Colts, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Kari Thompson, Believe Podcast Network, covers the Ravens. He was on a little bit earlier, too. Not a good info about what the Colts face coming up on Sunday and the 2-0 Ravens. Kevin Bowen coming up at the top of the hour. We know the situation today. The DNPs did not practice, include two Colts in concussion protocol. Anthony Richardson still there. Ryan Kelly still there. We'll talk to Kev about that. The toe situation that looks as if with Quentin Nelson, this is going to be a lingering deal through a lot of the season. We shall see. JMV, I did not expect a Cabbage Patch joke today, but it was glorious. I may, if you guys don't watch out, John, I may end up giving you a Teddy Ruxpin one coming up a little bit later on, too. A little mass hysteria back in the day for that, too. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick chicky boom chick chicky boom 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. <laughs> Will Mallory a little bit earlier the podcast with a member of the Mallory family, the rookie tied in for the Colts, 107.5thefan.com. I was thinking about this coming back with Genesis in terms of our next guest because uh, a couple of times a week he gets to uh, converse with others here locally with Shane Steichen. And as much as the offense has been fun to watch, and the coaching has also, I think, in terms of watchability, been there too. Um, when you ask a question, as in that song by Genesis, normally there is close to no reply at all. And joining us now about that and then some from the morning show, weekday mornings, Monday through Friday, beginning at 7 a.m. right here. It is the morning wake-up call with Sweebo. Uh, this is the Bo part of it, the Kevin Bowen part of it on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Has there been anybody that you can compare that is as short-answered? And, and I guess, I don't know if it's called getting to the point, but trying to get to the end of something as quickly as possible as Shane Steigen? 
You know, honestly, it kind of reminds me of when I ask these questions and the responses that I have been getting from him. It reminds me certainly of my effort in talking to girls in bars back in college, <laughs> yeah. a little bit of post-college. So I'm used to it. Um, 38-year-old men, though, typically weren't the um, the people that I was asking those questions to. So, yeah, I, I guess he's a nicer Belichick. I don't know. Is that is that too harsh? Um, yeah, I mean, people are automatically going to go, well, he's not Belichick yet, but I get exactly what you're saying. And yeah, just doesn't have a lot to say. Doesn't want to let you in. And no. th- is that going to be, is, is that going to be him too, or man. is that going to be him or what you think his personality will grow as he kind of gets more comfortable with what he's doing right now? Yeah, I actually think like, again, press conference settings to me, it's a nicer Belichick. I, he actually, I think has more <laughs> of his personality. I mean, honestly, I think we see his emotion in the sidelines, you know, post-game locker room. Uh, The guys enjoy his intensity, and there is much more outward emotion there from him than, you know, Frank Reich. I know that was a common comparison of like, wait, are the Colts getting Frank Reich or are they getting Nick Sirianni? And I remember back in that spring period we were talking about that more. I was like, no, 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 I think this is more Sirianni. So I know that's there, but, boy, as soon as that red light comes on, yeah, you're not you're not getting it, and I don't think we will. I think he he treats everything as a competitive advantage. I think I think that's exactly what it is. Even positive things, he doesn't want to dive into at all. Um, so yeah, I just think that's how it's going to be. Um, and I don't if that's how it is in year one. I I, yeah. I I don't know. Maybe if they start winning more, or you know, whatever, he'll feel more comfortable. But he just doesn't strike me as that that type of guy. It's interesting too, Kev. You bring up competitive advantage. And there was nobody that had that philosophy more than Bill Polian did here. Yet, Bill Polian would talk for five minutes and answer a question. You know what I mean? I mean, he had, right. he would, I mean, right. every, every, but, but he also knew how many paper clips would be on somebody's desk on either side. I mean, he was, he knew absolutely everything was going on because everything for him was a competitive advantage. You could just see from Polian to Steichen, you know, one talks and, you know, wants to get their ideas and wants to be able, you know, to, I, I guess in terms of what Polian did, he wanted to make sure that, that his opinion and information was out there in front of everything else as much as possible. And Steichen, you know, gives you like four or five Word answer. So I guess there are different ways to go about it when you're looking for that competitive edge that you're talking about. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you go back to his opening press conference. I mean, he was emotional in that. And I mean, there are times where he was probably a little bit more expansive. But now as they've gotten closer to the season, um, he is not a guy that feels the need to talk a lot to show you how smart he is. He's incredibly intelligent, but you won't get that in in terms of like just how many words he feels necessary to use for for a given answer. But it almost seems like he treats every question with like, wait, what are you trying to get out of that? Like he he really has that kind of like, is there something that you're asking that can be treated as competitive advantage from the opponent? And it's like, well, not every question I think is viewed in that light. I understand the reason and being short, um, and some questions, but ma'am, it seems like it's everyone. So I'll keep asking and I'll keep on reminding me of me in Bloomington or me in Broderville. Hey, what was, um, give me a Bloomington worst case scenario for you. Is there one time when you got so incredibly shot down 
when you're going after it, and listen, at least you're going after it, right? But when you got so incredibly shot down that it is embedded in your memory forever, what's at the top of your list? Yeah, there's certainly a moment or two where, you know, it was getting late and you knew the lights were, you know, about to uh, about to come on and, and you felt like, okay, you know, my buddy seems to be good friends with her friend and I seem to be somewhat vibing with her friend and then, boy, those lights come on and just for some reason, uh, all parties did not go the exact way that in my mind I thought all parties would be going, so... Um, yeah, that would probably be. I, I have a bit of vivid imagery from a couple of instances of when that happened. I, I swear to you, John, I, these Stike and Breast conferences end, and that's exactly what I think about. I'm like, dang it. What a waste of a question by me. And what a waste. Yeah, I, I just, it, I guess at least in. You know, college, I knew there was a, you know, Friday night we turned into Saturday and I'd be spiking pressers. You know, tomorrow, I got nothing. It's not like you meet the media tomorrow and I know Friday it's going to be the same exact thing. I don't have the liquid courage, I guess, in those press conference settings that maybe I had back in college. I always thought it was all about timing. And I just had the worst timing. You know, there are moments when you kind of peek out, right? It's what you were talking about with your days in Bloomington. You peek out and you wish you would have uh, been a little bit more direct at that moment. And then you wait a little bit longer because you're not ready to go in just yet, and then you miss your opportunity. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, timing, Yeah, I'd like to chalk it up to that. But I just I always said, how can you pass up this these handsome, handsome chiseled features right here? What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I think there are moments where I look like Leon Lett holding the football, you know. I was just like, oh, boy, I am just fumbling, fumbling like, like no other. Oh, man, Bloomington is glorious, but it'll get you. I mean, it'll get you, too, sometimes. <laughs> it, it would. Um, spring, summer, uh, winter or fall, it'll end up getting you. Kevin Bowen joins us. Um, I know that there had been some sentiment regarding Richardson and concussion protocol. That, and I don't know what a schedule is. I don't even know what being ahead of schedule might be. But there was some positivity surrounding a chance that he plays on Sunday. And, Kev, I was asked this on Sunday night on Fox 59. I told Hagan, I said, if I were a betting man right now, I'd bet he wasn't going to play in Baltimore. And I don't know if that's erring on the side of caution or if that's just him not completely overcoming concussion protocol. And I know there was some positivity earlier in this week. Um, Does that remain right now after today? I, I guess, what is your thought after witnessing what you did today and knowing what you know regarding concussion protocol and specifically Anthony Richardson with that in mind? Yeah, I think the reason for optimism, honestly, you even saw by him even attending practice today. I mean, I, I recall, and he didn't practice, but I recall numerous times, and Ryan Kelly, I guess, falls on the other side of it, where you know we've gone out to practice on a Wednesday after a Sunday game, a guy is in concussion protocol, and they don't even let him go outside. Um, and Richardson, by all accounts, was outside like the immediate day after. Um, you know, sometimes light exposure, things like that, there's a sensitivity that can kind of elicit some of those concussion symptoms and clearly they feel comfortable. I mean, it was, it was hot today, 85 degrees and the sun beating down and clearly that they felt comfortable him being out there for two hours. So I think that is, is, these are some of the good signs in that you're not going to get a Shaquille Leonard out for three weeks. Or I think back to Ryan Kelly's first concussion with the Colts where he missed, you know, over a month. Now, is it enough to play on Sunday? 
yeah, that's certainly a very much in doubt after missing today. Um, you know, I tend to think, and Drew Ogletree was an example of it last week, he missed Wednesday, practice limited Thursday with a no-contact jersey, practice full on Friday, cleared on Saturday. Now, with Richardson, you would have a situation that you'd have to ask yourself of he could follow that same pattern, but did he miss too much today? And, again, that's another question Shane Steichen wouldn't get into. But today's a first and second down day. I mean, today's a very big installation day and getting ready for a defense that it's not obvious what they're going to give you. I think it's a defense that um, certainly is going to be much different looking than what you saw in the first couple of weeks, especially with Houston. So I think that's where you'd have some questions of even if he practiced tomorrow, would that be enough to get him to – you know, Sunday. So right now I'd probably lean towards him not playing, but again, with these things, you just never know if a guy practices Thursday, continues to progress and, you know, doesn't play the quarterback position. They tend to play now. um, You know, he plays quarterback. That's a little different. His age is a little different. His experience in the league, all of those things you have to factor in. But I I guess I'd continue to reiterate. I feel encouraged that this is not going to be some multiple week, month long thing. And in some cases, it can be that. Kevin Bowen, the morning wake-up call with Swebo, 7 until 10 a.m. right here on the fan weekday mornings. As you wake up, they get you interested in some sports, talk to you, talk with you, and uh, tell you what you need to know. Kev's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So I, I brought this up a little bit earlier, and you know this as well. Um, most of the time doing this, we're put in situations where we have to come up with an absolute conclusion, um, even though in a day – in five days, in a week, in a month, we may end up looking like a horse's ass because we're so inaccurate. But we have to have an answer right here and right now. Um, so I, I've asked kind of the callers and the listeners of this today, can you imagine, have you thought about, let's just say, for example, Richardson does not play and Minshew goes in and has a stellar game, plays well, they go on, they beat Baltimore on the road. Can you imagine cracking the mic at 7 a.m. on Monday morning and the sentiment in which you are going to hear? Do you think people still will say, hey, this is Richardson's ball game right here moving forward? Or will that thirst of winning, since we haven't seen that in so long around here, overtake everybody and say, hey, Minshew needs to be the guy? Again, a huge hypothetical way before the time, but just a thought on what we might witness if that were to occur on Monday. Wow, that's a um, that is certainly one that I haven't thought of. Because um, I can tell you, know, you this, I bet I bet the philosophies among those listeners and Colts fans will shift if yeah, they win yeah, and Minshew looks good. Because here's why I say that, Kev. I, I think you had a bit of a shift with the way that he came in there in a pinch and performed at least at the end of that first half in Houston. On Sunday, I think you had kind of a shift there. This would be, to me, against this team, a monumental shift if that were to occur on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly hypothetical, but there's no way to answer this in the way I'm going to answer it without disparaging Minshew, which right. I, I want to preface by saying I think he's a very good backup, high-end backup in this league. Very good. Um, I think his resume would indicate that. I mean, um, you know, touchdown to interceptions is what, like three to one. I mean, you just don't see that from backup guys very often, spot starters, whatever you want to call them. Uh, his record is, I think I actually looked it up the other day, eight and 16 or something like that. So that obviously is a little bit 
you know, more, I think, you know, accurate of we've seen this guy as a full-time starter. We kind of know. I mean, last year, I correct me if I'm wrong, I think he lost both of the starts with Philly. Um, and that obviously was a ton of skill talent right. around him. So um, I'd like to think, and I know this is, there's no way to say this without it being kind of a loser mentality, but I'd like to think we keep in mind the big picture of the season. And it's about Anthony Richardson's development and yes. the end all be all of it is strictly that and it's unfortunate that the franchise is in that position but you are and you I think you have to live in that and acknowledge that and not say that if you get to the end of the season and somehow Gardner Minshew has been the starting quarterback and you have won eight games that does absolutely nothing in my opinion for your franchise in a very positive direction um, Richardson will have missed out on you know, massive amounts of valuable reps, and then you'll be drafting in the middle of round one. And you will, you know, lessen the chance to find that true kind of cornerstone piece that you, I think you want to have with Richardson moving forward. And I mean, in a way, John, you could look at last week and say, I tend to think that you just needed a win really badly. I mean, you hadn't had a multi-score win in, you know, over a year and a half, uh, you know, road divisional wins by that margin <laughs> certainly have not happened. Especially against that team, yes. Recently. And, and so I think you just needed that. But there is part of me that's like, man, a win like that where Gardner Minshew plays three quarters, I don't know how much that does for you big, big picture. Um, again, that's probably a little bit too short-sighted of me to say that. But if that became the trend, I think I would have that thought more and more. So um, I understand you'd be 2-1. and one. You've beaten a quality football team. Arguably your toughest challenge of the year. I know Baltimore's you know, pretty banged up as well, so you have to acknowledge that. But, um, I mean, even look back at, at Sunday. Yes, Minshew was thrown in the fire. There were three touchdowns – or there were three scoring drives right away. But, I mean, it's not like that offense moved it. It's up and down the field at will with him at quarterback. I think he only scored three points in the second half. So, I would still be very much of the side of no, 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 great, great performance, but you draft him four overall, you give him the starting keys in mid-August for a reason, and that's to play him. It's to play him through the good, it's to play him through the bad, no matter what, and Gardner Minshew's a nice backup, but he's also played in the league for four or five years, and I think ultimately we kind of know who he is. Yeah, I, I think that if let's just say if my scenario were to occur, I think we would you guys on Monday morning stating the obvious, which I think is what you just pointed out. I think we would all be in the minority there with fans because that thirst of winning in the moment is, I think, going to be a little bit overcoming. If again, this is that's a wild theory. Uh, probably won't happen, but if it did, it certainly will be interesting, I'm sure, to talk about and talk with folks, the Colts fans out there coming up on Monday. It's uh, Kevin Bowen with us from the morning show. Um, I was also talking about this, and Bob Kravitz brought this up with me yesterday. He made a comparison in his latest column. The vibe is what he called it of Anthony Richardson to that of Andrew Luck. And, and I disagreed, and here's why. Because Andrew Luck was reckless. Andrew Luck, they didn't call plays for him to run down the field and then take on a linebacker without sliding and get bent over like a broken folding chair. They didn't call those plays. And this offense, Anthony Richardson, these are designed runs, and this will continue to be offensively a staple of this team, regardless moving forward. And then to add with that, to me, it reinforces even more so why I'm glad they started the season with him because this all, Kev, is a part of him at being 21, very inexperienced. This is all a part of his growing and learning process. 
Yeah, I think it's a great point. Um, you, you have to learn. I mean, Richardson's been the biggest dude on the football field pretty much throughout his entire career. Um, you know, typically I think guys, I mean, two of the three injuries have occurred on defensive backs hitting him. I, I'd be willing to guess when defensive backs have hit him in the past, they've just kind of pinballed off of him. And sure, he, he played in the SEC, but it's still, it's not like the entire Florida schedule is filled with Alabama. I mean, there's still many times where he, he was, again, the fastest, the biggest, however you want to describe it, certainly was that in high school. Um, and I do think there's an element to Richardson entering the league, John, where I mean, he had one year of starting experience at Florida. He really wasn't hurt in that one year. He was honestly a little bit more injury prone in the year where he kind of like him and Emory Jones would split a little bit or you know, he'd come in the sub package stuff. Um, he had a concussion at Florida. He, I think it was a hamstring injury, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say he had surgery at one point on a knee. Um, I know at the end of his high school career, uh, he, he didn't play like the back half of that season due to a, due to a throwing shoulder injury. And honestly, the hit, I remember – Seeing the hit um, on that documentary that's been out there on Richardson and Bryce Young, it, it, it honestly reminded me a bit of the hit in the uh, at the end of the Jacksonville game when a guy kind of gets a clean shot on his shoulder there. Um, so we really don't have like the, oh, yeah, he started for three years in college and missed one game. Like that was never a, a stat, I guess, that we pointed to when the draft process was going around. I mean, you have some quarterbacks that have injury history and they fall a little bit in the draft. You've got other guys that that's a positive to their game. With Richardson, I think it would be fair to label it more as a, an unknown. Just wear and tear of you're starting one season to the next and 13 games turns into 26, turns into 39. And, you know, how does that play out for you from a health standpoint? Uh, but to your point, yeah, I think it's a great one. And that's why – I've kind of been adamant all week long of if he does clear concussion protocol, I would play him. Um, no, I agree. Yes. For him yeah. to learn and to realize that, you know, Josh Allen is not supposed to be the embodiment here. It's supposed to be more of the Jalen Hurts approach to the season where Hurts has been very open-minded about, no, 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 I need to get down a little bit more and, and, and need to do those things of learning when it's just time to eat it, frankly. It's, it's second and seven. It's a scoreless game okay, maybe I go out of bounds here. Maybe I don't take that safety, you know, shoulder on, even though I've got that guy by four inches and 40 pounds. Um, So I think all of those things are what you would like to see him go through this season. And by no means am I saying he needs to change or he should change because you don't draft him for overall if you don't believe in the run element, the leg element, his physicality helping you out in critical moments. But I think some tinkering, some altering of that is – possible I, I think we saw that even with luck I know that ultimately ended his career but you know in, in 2018 he, he changed his style as a quarterback and coming back from that so uh, that's why I, I do think it's important to get this learning experience and get exposure to that because he didn't have a lot of it in college and NFL speed and NFL hits are different and that's why in the comparisons with luck on one end I can agree with them but on the other end they're not really any sort of comparison. Because when you think back to Luck's first few seasons, while he was taking some hits, it's not like he ever popped up on the injury report or ever missed game. I mean, he played every single game his first three seasons. It was that Jarrell Casey hit in week three of his um, of his fourth season where he suffered that 
first injury. And I don't know, maybe that was general wear and tear from the first three. Yeah, games. it was the yeah, extension of the play. Yeah, and and I mean his signature, Kev, was extension of the play, and that was all great. That was right? the lacerated kidney yeah. in Denver. Yeah, and, and, that's what came then yeah. later uh, in that 2015 season. But he had the shoulder issue. He missed two games, and then he has the lacerated kidney. I think he had a concussion maybe in 2016, and. To me, a lot of it, not to get back into luck, but like a lot of it was choosing not to have surgery after that 2015 season. I think that's where you have a little regret of, you know, if you do have surgery, then do you correct it? Because in 2016, that was when he missed, I think it was every Thursday practice, he missed that year to kind of tone back on how much he was throwing with that injured shoulder, but he was playing through it. So I think with Richardson, it's, okay, can you try and get ahead of some of that stuff? But again, you know, Richardson's played five quarters and he's had three different injuries. Luck went, you know, three years into his career before he suffered that 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 first injury that forced him to miss, you know, practice and or game time. You, you agree, though, that, that Luck was was reckless and this is by design, design runs and such. You you agree with that? Because I, I got a, one more question before I let you go. Kevin Bowen joins us. If you do, I want to add to this uh, because I feel the same way regarding Jalen Hurts because I think they're going to reach a point in Philly one of these days too. When does continuing to run you know, Hurts or, or Richardson, at what point, when do you think is that will be to win – calling him with so many runs and you know doing what they like to do right now and are going to continue to do with him when does that become as reckless as luck running down the field and not sliding and taking on a linebacker at what point have you given yourself a shelf life a timetable on this yeah there's so, it's just so much gray area john it, it's difficult to like try and say no you should have x amount of carries a game or no you don't run until third down right you don't run until the second half i mean it's just difficult i feel like to give and like a, an answer that i have any sort of conviction on because again it's such an element that makes him potentially elite and why you draft him at four overall i i would say to answer it it is maybe not the amount but it's one of those things where, okay, when you are in the open field, you've got to be more cognizant of where those hit, hits could be coming from, and you've got to know down and distance. And I know that's a lot of thinking in the in the instinctual moment. Like Josh Allen, he's been in the league for this long, and he's – I mean, that that dude takes so many, in my opinion, unnecessary hits. Well, I mean, and, and he, calls his, he, he calls his own number. On, he calls his own number yeah. on many of those hits, and that's, I think, what you're going to get with Richardson one of these days too. Right, and that's, I think, your worry. Now, Allen has proven to be really healthy. I know last year he was a little banged up, but he's played a ton. Again, Richardson, I don't think we have much of a sample size to know if he is going to be injury-prone or, or not. 6'4", 255 would say no, but early in his NFL career, um, you know, there's evidence to say otherwise. So, I, again, I time, pick time and place a little bit better if you're Shane Steichen, but still, you can't totally eliminate it, and you shouldn't totally eliminate it or why do you draft the guy at four overall it's not like if you tell him no anthony you run two times this whole game and you chuck 45 passes he's not gonna it might i mean maybe it'll change but right now he's not gonna be the quarterback that you would think he could be i think it's more of just can you avoid some of the unnecessary hits when the plays are not the end-all be-all fourth down we've got to have this to extend the game those sorts of plays And, and probably week one is an example of that i mean think about how he ended that game 
an incredible effort on a fourth down. When you're down 10 points with under 90 seconds to go, an incredible effort on fourth down to move the chains where he broke a tackle. I mean, took a big hit, broke a tackle. And then two plays later, he tries to do the same thing. And ultimately, that was the hit that knocked him out of it. So, again, I don't think you can just take the element out of it. But right now, I mean, all three of the injuries have occurred out of the pocket. It's not like we've had the big 300-pounder, you know, lay on him after a sack like Luck had back when Jarrell Casey, you know, hit him in that 2015 season. How's Sweebo going in the morning? Sweebo's good. Um, he's happy about his Giants, uh, certainly uh, bouncing back, and he's happy the, about – Does he uh, make you talk I, about the Giants? We do talk a little New York Giants, yeah. Oh, We've God. also talked Will Levis's ex-girlfriend as well. That has crept into – Does he have a little um, sports little arousal? He's got a little sports arousal over Levis's ex-girlfriend, does he? Well, I, I, I think he hates Levis, if I have it uh, right. But maybe there is an – he certainly has a Giants – uh, New York Giants arousal. Um, so he's very much looking forward to tomorrow night. Obviously, Mason was born. Right on, um, Mason. Right this, on. This time last week. So, you know, Andy refers to him as a gas bag. That would be Andy calls himself a gas bag. So I got him a Giants onesie that says little gas on the back. I, I figured <laughs> that was fitting. He's a boy. Um, yep. I'm hoping Nikki, his wife, would will allow for little gas to rock this for a Giants game up. Maybe tomorrow night. Maybe that's the boost Brian Dable needs without Saquon Barkley as a ten point underdog against the Forty ers So, uh, how yeah, are you a Giants? How are you uh, from Northern Kentucky and a Giants fan? By the way, how's that work? Gosh, so he explained this. He was born the, the the Giants aspect. I'm still confused by because if I'm not mistaken, he was born like in the Niagara Falls area. That would oh really is more Bills than Giants. Well, that doesn't sound as hillbilly um, as I thought he was then, huh? No, no, no. Now he, again, he lived in the Sellersburg area. For, yeah, well, that's incredibly hillbilly there. Days. Yes, <laughs> that, that, yeah. that is very he, hillbilly. He, that's he Northern Kentucky indoor plumbing down there. Yeah, Northern Kentucky. Well, hey, give him my best and uh, congratulations on uh, on Mason and uh, our best to his wife Nikki and continue to do what you're doing with the uh, morning wake up call with KB and Andy, or as I call it, Sweebo weekday mornings beginning at seven a.m. Right here. All right, brother. All right, go back to doing with what you're doing, napping, doing whatever, prepping, whatever, thinking about what you're going to ask Dykin. So. Yeah, mowing the lawn and thinking back to man asking those girls at sports yeah. at about two thirty a.m. just questions that I thought the answer would be there, and it was certainly not. Brother, you I played the like game. The Reds. I felt like us as Reds fans, to be honest with you. You played the game. I mean, you got to get up there. You got to swing hard. All right, it's all that matters. And then sometimes hey. maybe you'll find a gapper. See, this all sounds really bad in how I'm putting this. <laughs> my fault. <laughs> Boy, I will end with this as my good friend Chris Fangman wrote in his uh, senior senior year quote from Chris Fangman: "You miss 100 percent of the shots you yeah. don't take." I think someone like you could appreciate that. I'm sure so. Maddie hates your calls with me every Wednesday, too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, appreciate it, man. See you, John. Uh, later on, it's Kevin Bowen. Sweet Bow in the morning, the morning wake-up call. Sandler tickets coming up, the Harris Hoosier Park race of the day and more. Don't leave. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
The Ride with JMV. It takes him a second to get on the stool because he's under 5 feet tall. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Kai Thompson covers the Ravens, the Believe podcast earlier. Both sides of the football and the expectation of the 2-0 Ravens against the Colts on Sunday. Will Mallory, the rookie tight end of the Colts, outstanding earlier today, two podcasts, 107.5thefan.com, and the morning wake-up call with KB and Sweeney, or in this case, as I like to call it, uh, the morning wake-up call with Sweebo. Kevin Bowen joined us. Got a lot of interesting scenarios at work here. And again, I thought I would turn the tables on you. You oftentimes ask me questions where there's really no viable answer at that moment, yet I'm kind of forced into answering it at that moment. So I kind of turn the tables on you, you know, regarding that possibility. If there's no Richardson on Sunday, if there's Minshew, and if you like what you see, what might be your Monday reaction? If you missed any of it, podcast 1075thefan.com. This stuff is on Facebook. It's inside the lounge via YouTube Live, which, of course, the lounge and the show brought to you by Schuler's Spreadable Cheeses and so many flavors. Original cheddar. I love sharp cheddar. Original, sharp, bacon included, pepper jack. I'm telling you. Indy loves, and the lounge loves the spreadability, just like the leader. I'm not the leader of the lounge. I, I would consider myself the leader in the lounge. The spreadability is the absolute best. Win Schuler's spreadable cheese is available at Meyer and Kroger. Sandler tickets before we bail at the top of the hour. Tomorrow, Joe's Grill, Fisher's, Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. And we got week three. Kenny Arnoff, drummer, Jim Ursay's band, former drummer of Mellencamp, of Fogarty. I mean, he's worked with so many people. Just a drumming genius. Also a big-time sports fan. Kenny joins us at 4.30 tomorrow. Danny Cannell talks college football with us tomorrow as well. We're going to be live at Joe's Grill in Fishers. Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots coming up tomorrow with our betting analyst, Brent Holverson. 239-1070, and Bill is up next. Hello, Bill. How are you? JMV, how are you today? Man, I'm not going to be able to make it tomorrow. Oh. Although I know it's, if it's Joe's Grill and it's going to be in Fishers. I remember the last one, and, it, and I'm sure this one will be off the hook as well. Yeah, well, now you're going to Kilroy's Friday, though, right, Bud Light Blue Friday? I, I, I am going to be at Kilroy's for sure. But uh, but uh, tomorrow, uh, you, you guys have a good show and everything. I know I know Jimmy and those guys will show up. So, yeah. but uh, anyway, I wanted, to, I wanted to know if you want to talk about the Pacers a little bit, kind of sure. kind of ship, yeah, just, just a bit. On um, their 45 win season. That's my prediction yeah. right now. 45, 45 wins? Yeah. All right. In the division, Washington, Cleveland, Chicago, and then there's Boston in the East, and then and then Charlotte. Are, are we capable of beating any of those teams? I, there, there are expectations now. There were none a year ago, and when you look at it, the past two years they've gone 25 and then 35, and I think it's reasonable to suggest with the roster that they have in the East that they should win 45 games. I'm going to be disappointed if it's not 45 and then some, and I'm not suggesting this is going to be some big win, top four seed, you know, in the postseason type of thing, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to lay it on 45. What would you say? Um, I'd, I'd say I'd do 45 shots. 
of, Lulu, of uh, tequila <laughs> with our man Brett. If they got so, to forty-five, so you don't think you don't, don't think they're going to get to forty-five? Is that too lofty of me? Um, I, I think that the, the other teams are have improved more than the, the Pacers have. However, however, uh, uh, I'm anxious to see what the, uh, the young guns, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, and uh, and Matherin, see what they do because I think I, I think it, it's all in youth type of Michigan Fab Five type atmosphere. That's what I think. And can they fit in T.J. McConnell? Can they keep three-point guards? I think T.J. McConnell is, is an important piece that uh, forces other teams to, to have matchup problems. And plus, he, he can shoot, he can score. I, I know it's weird coming from me, Billy, but can they guard anybody? And in particular, guard anybody out front? And and I thought, and I, I know Tyrese Halliburton was a part of Team USA too, but I thought Team USA had a lot of the issues out front as the Pacers have out front defensively against other guards. So I, I I hope that there is at least a, a an improvement in that category because if they're not, I may have to downgrade 45 here because you got to be able to. I know you can't always stay in front of these super athletes or whatever, but you got to provide a little bit of resistance out front, and they just didn't last year. They haven't for a while. If they don't get off to to a good start, I don't. It all comes down to the first. I think the, about the first three weeks to a month, where they, you know, where they have to play Cleveland a couple times and they play at Boston. I mean, you know, I, I think it's going to come down to that. If they start off with an zero six stretch, I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen. As far as IU this weekend, um, it, it, it is the the must win of the year. That'll get them the two and two. Then they'd have a puncher's chance of ended up being six and six and maybe going to a bowl game. That's that's the way I look at it. But they but they got to win this game, and then they got to win can see two that. out of three against against Maryland, uh, Rutgers, and Michigan. They got to win two out of three. Probably you know, won't beat Michigan, but uh, but yeah. who knows? I mean, they got to put got to put a run on. Billy, we'll see you on Friday, Bud Light Blue Friday. You betcha. See you then. Charles writes this: forty-five wins is barely over five hundred. That's not too much to expect from this Pacer team this year. I, I'm just in terms of they won thirty-five a year ago, and. Ten more wins, to me, in this season does seem like that's a lot more. That's what it seems like to me. I'd be disappointed if it's not. And listen, I know that I'm the wrong dude to talk about defense, but a little bit of resistance is going to be required. Todd, jump in here before the break. What do you got? Hey, John. It's Todd. How are you? Hello, Todd. Fantastic, man. Hey, thanks for the care package a couple of weeks ago, too, man. That was enjoyed. And I saw you, uh, saw you last Thursday. Yes, that was enjoyed, brother. Thank you. Cool. Hey, um, I'm not going to dive deep. We'll talk Pacers 45 days from now. Yeah. Um, for the record, Tony East has them in the 7-10 play-in. Bowen has them in the 5-6 AQ role. So, um, what what, uh, what 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 amount of wins do they have with with those situations? Do you know, um, they're, they're 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 I mean, low as low as thirty nine forty, high as forty six forty seven. Yeah. You know, so, so I, I mean, feel pretty comfortable around forty five. Then, hey, your question on uh, quarterback: um, if Minshew is put into the Ring of Honor tomorrow. Richardson should still start. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. See, I, I agree with that. It sounds odd. It sounds yeah. weird, but it's true. Um, it, it's, I mean, and, and anybody that says different somehow has the delusion that this team might win 
nine or ten games or eight or nine games and be in contention for either the division, which doesn't seem great, to be fair. <laughs> but yeah. but um, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's, 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 not, it's not the theme of 2023-24, you know. Right. Um, you know, you got – you got to look at it. And, by the way, I, I think Jacksonville is not – potentially what we thought Jacksonville was through two games, okay? I didn't think they looked exceptional against us by any means. And then they got kicked in the booty. So, I mean, I don't think you can really evaluate much from these two games. Um, Baltimore would be a good litmus test, though. No, there's no doubt about that. Todd, i got to hit a break here. Hopefully I'll see you soon. My guy, see you. All right. Harris Usher Park, race of the day next. 50-50 betting and dining. Harris Usher Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. That and Sandler tickets. Don't move. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Harris is your park race of the day. Jim Hoffman, the winner. The winning horse was H.S. Remington. $9 on a $2 bet. $2 exacta was $25, the 50-cent trifecta. $36.55, your Harris Hoosier Park race of the day right there. Thursday, check that. Tuesday through Friday right here. 50-50 betting and dining, Harris Hoosier Park racing and casino in Anderson. And, of course, you've got racing going on up there until December. And a shout-out to all of our friends at Harris Hoosier Park Racing and Casino in Anderson. You noticed that right there. That's pretty awesome. I love you guys. I do. You know I love you. Uh, you guys, this is what's funny about this. The phone lines are lit, and I haven't even said anything. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Love you. Always. Hey, I would love to see you tomorrow, too. Large City Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. That's coming up tomorrow at Joe's Grill in Fishers. Me, betting analyst Brent Holverson. Uh, I mentioned the show a little bit earlier. Danny Cannell, some college football talk. Of course, Purdue, Wisconsin, Friday night, Ross-Aid. IU Akron, Saturday night, Bloomington. Black uniforms for IU. Black jerseys, I should say. Uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Saturday night. Danny Cannell joins us tomorrow. We've got our Larsity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots for week number three of the NFL. Me and Betty Analyst Brent Halverson. Uh, Kenny Arnoff. Kenny Arnoff is an incredible drummer, one of the greatest to ever do it. 20-plus years, I believe, with John Mellencamp. Of course, the drum solo in Jack and Diane, I think he was on with us before, and we talked uh, we talked sports, but also talked about that, where Mellencamp said, hey, I'm going to paraphrase here. Either you come up with something spectacular right here, it's going to be your ass. And you can absolutely see Mellencamp saying that, and he came up with the uh, the drum break, if you will, in Jack and Diane. And uh, 20 plus years with Mellon Camp. And of course, Kenny Arnoff is going to be a part of Jim Ursay's band. Uh, Mike Wanchek of Mellon Camp's band also is a part of that. They're going to be playing during Farm Aid. Farm Aid is coming up on Saturday. We gave away tickets, right, to Farm Aid? 
So Farm Aid's coming up at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center on Saturday night. And uh, Kenny Arnoff joins us on the show tomorrow. Mike Chapel tomorrow as well. Friday, Bud Light Blue Friday finds us downtown here at Kilroy's. Rams Colts tickets to give away then. I don't even need to say number nine at 239-1070, right? You guys have loaded up the phones. You guys are great, I'm telling you. Great anticipation. Sandler tickets. By the way, Adam Sandler, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the 15th of November. And we have more tickets for you to close out the week. 15th of November at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. It's a Wednesday night. Adam Sandler. I want to see if he's got times in and around that particular date. Massive tour that's he a part And I like Sandler a great deal. He's entertaining. Weird too, right? Because I know Happy Gilmore is at the top of everybody's list always. Uh, Rain on Me maybe had brought a slight tear to my eye in the past. A very dramatic role for Adam Sandler, if you remember. I still love grown-ups, though. A little bit of family-oriented fun with grown-ups. I can dig. James, great job out of you today. Kari Thompson talked Ravens. Will Mallory, rookie tied into the Colts. Kevin Bowen's got a morning show. Sweebo in the morning, 7 a.m. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. The Lounge via YouTube Live. Thank you, guys. Thank you, listening. Congratulations to the Sandler Tickets winner. Talk to you tomorrow. Joe's Grill in Fishers at 3. Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.